This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church around the world. I'm Greg Musselman. The Christian faith has a long history in North Africa. In fact, many of the early church fathers, including Augustine of Hippo, were from that part of the world. However, after the invasion by Arab Muslims, much of North Africa's public Christian worship and witness disappeared by the 7th century, including Algeria. But today, many Algerians are rediscovering their Christian heritage, and the church is expanding rapidly. Yet, with such growth comes intensifying persecution. In recent years, many Algerian churches have been forced to close, and believers have been arrested. During this episode of Closer to the Fire, we're going to meet three Algerian Christian leaders to discuss the challenges facing the church in this Muslim-majority nation. And then later, we'll hear from Christian leaders in another North African nation where, in spite of opposition to the gospel, the church is also expanding. That nation is Libya, a country plagued by violence and chaos. But first, Algeria. And the interviews on this podcast were done in an undisclosed location for the security and safety of these followers of Jesus. Since 2019, church buildings all over Algeria have been forcibly closed by the government, like this one in Tizi Uzu in the north-central part of the country. Church leaders from various denominations have been arrested and are facing time in prison. Now, the government claims they don't have an issue with Christians practicing their faith in the Muslim country, where the followers of Jesus make up less than 1% of the 40 million-plus population, as long as they keep to themselves and don't share the gospel with Muslims. Karim Mahdi is an Algerian pastor now living in Europe and works in a ministry that is producing Christian media content that is being watched and heard all over Algeria. You can be Christian. The government doesn't have a problem with the practice of Christianity, but in the Constitution, evangelism isn't allowed. If you do, the government will bother you. As you are aware, many churches are closed. Including the largest Protestant churches. Now, the government won't admit the churches are closed for religious reasons. They want the churches to register and have control over them. Before 2019, when we could say there was persecution in society and from the family. But after 2019, the persecution started to come from the government. And this is why we met with the government face-to-face to give us permission to continue our faith legally, because we are already rejected and persecuted from society and our family. Appealing to the government has not slowed the closure of churches, with only a few churches still open throughout the entire country. Many believers are finding other ways to meet, including in small groups in secret or online since the government crackdown in 2019. Yes, there are many churches underground, but we don't know how many. We don't even know each other. We hear about underground churches here and there, and there are many of them. Up until recently, the underground churches were left alone, even though by law they aren't allowed to, but they continue to meet and pray. But that has now changed. Karim Ariski, who became a Christian at the age of 17 from a Muslim background in Algeria, is now a professor of comparative religions, including Islam, in Paris, France, and is actively involved in the North African Christian community in both Europe and North Africa. 
Mais dans ce contexte difficile que traverse l'Église en Algérie, under these circumstances, that doesn't mean the church is not growing. We thank God that we have many ministries in Algeria at this time with children, youth, and others. We have discipleship and teaching of theology. We never thought we would arrive at this time of persecution. So what changed after 2019 with the government? Uh, churches closed, pastors arrested, and more opposition against evangelical Christians. It's not one or two things. Maybe it's us that has contributed to this persecution. Maybe we did some things wrong as leaders. Or maybe it's the laws of our country. We don't know when the politicians will use them against us, the laws and the constitution. There are many factors. I can't say which one. But we trust God and keep our faith. The underground church and ministries are growing and God is opening many doors through persecution, which is part of our faith. But our leaders and people in our Christian community are tired because of the situation. Pastor Selah Shalah, who leads the country's largest Protestant church and is president of the Protestant Church of Algeria, has faced much opposition and has been targeted by the government and has faced various charges, arrests and court appearances for practicing non-Muslim rights without permission and organizing a protest because of the crackdown on churches. Pastor Salah could face years in prison. After his full gospel church in Tizi Uzu was informed it would be closed, police interrupted the service and forcibly removed the church members. Now, as for those who leave Islam to follow Jesus, the opposition they face comes from many places. First of all, from people who are close to them, like friends. Then secondly, from parents. When the family knows about that, they immediately persecuted them and kicked them out of the house and also from society. They lose their jobs. So it's not easy for them to practice their new faith. The Christian faith has a long history in North Africa, going back to the second century, especially among the ethnic Berbers. Renowned church fathers such as St. Augustine hailed from Algeria. However, because of division and heresy in the church and invasions by Arab Muslims, much of Algeria's public Christian worship and witness disappeared by the 7th century. But that started to change in the 20th century. Professor Ariski says that after Algeria gained independence from France in 1962, there was more freedom for missionaries in the country. In the 1970s, more Algerians were accepting the Lord, but it wasn't easy. In the 1980s, more people came to faith in Jesus. The good news at that time, in 1981, evangelism in the Kabyle area started to increase. From 1982 until 1999, Christianity was growing, and people of all generations, teenagers, older people, men and women, accepted the Lord. There was a revival in the Kabyle area, and in every village there were underground churches, and they were growing in the Arab areas as well. Almost all the followers of Jesus in Algeria come from Muslim backgrounds. The revival of Christianity in Algeria started in 1990 with a new generation of believers. This encouraged others in their faith in Jesus and to share, but they paid the price. These new Christians were a good example against all the politics and radical Muslims at the time. Some of them went on to have a good position in society, including in the government. The persecution began when it was learned there were many Christians. Some of them lost their jobs. Some were persecuted and verbally abused and physically abused when it became known they were Christians.
What we see in this second generation of Christians and growing up in Christian homes, we are seeing the fruit because of their faith of their parents and how they educated their children in school and in faith. We've heard stories all over the Muslim world of followers of Islam having dreams and visions. You're also hearing some pretty incredible stories coming out of Algeria as well. We have heard of many having dreams and visions of Jesus. I met a lady who said Jesus appeared before her. It wasn't a dream. He was there. This lady, who we'll call Sawa, was divorced and was about to take her life and the life of her daughter and her daughter's unborn child, who was the result of a rape because of the shame this caused. Suddenly she saw Jesus and he said, Why do you want to kill the child I created? She didn't know it was Jesus. She never saw his face and she started panicking. He said, let the baby live and name him Adam. So Sawa didn't go through with her plan. She would later share her experience with a Christian friend who told her that it was Jesus whom she encountered. Both Sawa and her daughter made a decision to follow Christ and be baptized. The boy was born and is now age nine. I met this boy. When these people have these experiences, they share with others about what has happened to them and give their testimonies. The persecution isn't stopping us from our faith. Yes, we have had arrests, and we will never know what will happen next. This generation is growing in Christian families, and they face persecution. Many churches are closed and few are open, but we have underground churches that continue to practice their faith under these circumstances. It can be very difficult in a country like Algeria, which is a Muslim nation, to do evangelism, which makes what you're doing so important through media. God is opening many doors, including social media, to do evangelism. We never attack another culture or religion. We just share our faith with love and respect. Karim Meestar is the CEO of Channel North Africa and a partner of the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. Meestar has seen firsthand how effective the 24-7 satellite channel has been in encouraging Christians in Algeria who often have to meet in secret. Meestar, who grew up as a Muslim in France before coming to Christ, says he was told by a close friend that met some Muslim men in Algeria that they were extremely disappointed when the channel went off the air for almost three years before relaunching in December 2021. You need to know that this channel was the only thing we had. And when I heard this testimony, I was really shocked because I, I saw the media not only as something we use to spread the gospel, but also something um, not only for the church and the believers, but also for the unbelievers and especially the Muslims who uh, um, they are really uh, uh, thirsty and hunger about the word of God. The satellite channel, which began in 2000, is the first to broadcast productions in the various languages spoken and understood in North Africa, Arabic, Berber, and French. The broadcasts feature a vast range of programming, including life stories, documentaries, talk shows, teaching, children's programming, musical performances and dramas, and much more. Amistar says he talked with a family in Algeria on Zoom, about the importance of the channel for them and having a connection with them through social media because they're not able to attend church. They could only uh, gather, meet in houses, but as a small groups, because if uh, they too many in the same house and uh, <clears throat> they had to 
to worship God uh, very um, not loud, you know, because if the Muslims uh, hear them, they can call the police and the police come. But I was blessed to see them and to see this brother saying that in the midst of the persecution, he was still uh, evangelizing, uh, spreading the gospel, having people and new people in his house. Two of Mistar's colleagues were arrested in Algeria in December, likely for their involvement with the channel, and were then taken to the police station. The police took everything, uh, all the material, equipment, um, hard drive disk, everything was, uh, was took by the police, the phones, and um, they were sorry because even the, the equipment of the the, the channel was, uh, was took by the police. So it was, uh, we human, so it was a shock and we immediately um, asked prayers to uh, the churches around and believers. So we started to pray very, uh, very strongly for the, the brothers. In spite of the persecution and the challenges, many are coming into a relationship with Jesus in Algeria and all over the Muslim world and God is using media as one of the ways to reach them. We also uh, share with the, the new believers uh, as they come from a Muslim background, uh, when they share that uh, Canadian and other people in, in the world uh, give a lot of money just uh, for ministries to be able to share the gospel, they're just amazed and that's part of the process of changing their mind about how they see the world and how they see the Christian. And uh, from our experience, we know uh, because we met hundreds of them, uh, Muslims from all countries and not only on North Africans, but even people from Iran who came to the Lord just because of the, the, the testimony, the witness of the believers, the Christians and the love they manifest, they give to, to the Muslim community in the world. Well, the Voice of the Martyrs, we are so privileged to be able to help our brothers and sisters in Algeria. And isn't it exciting to know that these folks that come from Muslim backgrounds and become followers of Jesus are encouraged because they know that Christians in Canada and other parts of the world are supporting them. It's so important that they learn, and all of us are reminded, that we're a part of the body of Christ. And when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer and we help each other. We're inspired by their stories of faith and perseverance. And they're also, you know, joining with us, knowing that there are believers in other parts of the world that are praying for them. And I want to do that right now. Let's let's pray. Let's lift up our brothers and sisters in Algeria. And I would encourage you to continue to do that. God is working in many of these places where Christianity took hold in the early part of the church history. And it's growing and God is doing things even after all these centuries. I mean, we know that there's always a remnant. Uh, regardless of what's happening, it may look like there's no church, places like Saudi Arabia or North Korea, but God is working and he's working in North Africa. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for another opportunity that we can come before your presence and pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We think of Pastor Salah, who we heard in that report, and as he's facing arrest and it could be jailed for a long period of time. And we know once they're in these prisons, life can be very, very difficult and dangerous so we lift him up to you thank you for his bravery and his leadership in that nation of Algeria and for all those that are in prison for their faith those that love Jesus that have been taken from their families and put in prisons Lord we lift them up to you pray Lord in the midst of persecution that these believers would not feel 
fear that they will continue to share the message of your love through your son Jesus in this Muslim nation. Give them wisdom how they share and and of course they have to be cautious but they would not be bound by fear. Lord, we also pray for the restrictions that are happening in that nation right now of Algeria and then even those restrictions would draw people to Jesus and also pray for these powerful Muslim leaders uh, that are causing oppression and persecution that they would come to know you. We continue to hear of all these stories of dreams and visions and, and miraculous things happening and we pray that, Lord, for these uh, leaders in Algeria that are opposed to the gospel that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, we know that this is a nation that has many young people and they make up a large percentage of the population of that country, including amongst the Christians. Father, many are so disillusioned and we know that the only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ that you would draw them to yourself. Uh, we pray this in your powerful name. And again, disillusionment would not overcome our brothers and sisters in Christ as they continue to advance the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for these things. And Father, we thank you that we can come in your presence and to pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, you can watch this report about the emergence and persecution of the church in Algeria. I will put the link on the show notes and feel free to share on your social media. You know, the more people that see these reports, find out what's going on, We'll be praying for our brothers and sisters in Algeria. And for them, they're knowing that believers in other parts of the world are praying for them. And that will bring encouragement. So again, I'd encourage you to watch the video and also to share it. Well, another North African nation that has a long history of Christianity is Libya. Once an active center of Christianity during the days of the early church, the North African country is now known as an epicenter of persecution of Christians that is so severe, there are very few believers today remaining in Libya. But as you'll hear in this report, that is changing. Leaving Islam in Libya can be very dangerous for those who convert to Christianity or encourage others to do the same. With no central government to maintain law and order, Christians are at even greater risk of being imprisoned, kidnapped, and even killed. About 97% of the Libyan population are considered to be Muslims. Marina, not her real name, is a Libyan Christian from a Muslim background and knows the dangers that come with leaving Islam to follow Jesus. When one young lady's dad discovered she was a Christian, he beat his daughter many times and closed and locked the door. He didn't allow her to use the toilet. She was treated like an animal. She was beaten again and again. Another lady's Muslim husband divorced her when he found out she was a Christian. When her son was born, the husband wouldn't allow his son to have his name. So the boy won't be able to go to school or have an identity. She has suffered since she has become a Christian. The threats and attacks come not only from family, but the wider community, Islamic extremists, and government authorities who claim they are protecting Libyan and Islamic values in an attempt to get them to renounce their Christian faith. Omar, also not his real name, is a Christian who left Islam and is now living in Europe and is active in reaching Libyans with the message of God's love through his son Jesus. Persecution in Libya starts with families and society. Let me tell you a story about a brother. When he accepted Jesus into his life, he started to share his faith with his family and they told the radical Muslims about it. 
and they were going to kill him as an infidel under Sharia law. He was put in jail, and the judge said he should be killed. Omar says in spite of the risks, many Christians like himself are sharing their faith in Libya, either in person or over social media, and with mixed results. You can find many people are curious to understand and know and have good questions, but some say bad things about us, and discussions go in a bad way. I share the Word of God when I go there and my new life in Christ in very closed groups. I can't share with just anyone I'm not close to. Omar told me that one of the major obstacles to overcome when talking to Muslims about Christianity is they have a misunderstanding of what a true relationship in Jesus looks like. It's not easy to share with some of them, and they have a bad idea of Christianity. They think Christians drink too much and don't have ethics and can sleep with any woman. I don't know where they got these ideas and where they came from. So when I share, I have to face this reality. But I try to show them the Word of God and what it says. Another way that Muslims are encountering Jesus is through dreams and visions. And that's what happened to Marina. I was in a dark place in the first dream. I was scared. But suddenly I saw a hand take me up into a place of light. I didn't understand. Then I woke up and turned on the TV. On the TV there was a pastor and he said there was someone who was breaking out of a dark place into light. I felt peace and it explained my dream. Marina would have more dreams about Jesus and knew she needed to follow him in spite of the risks and dangers. Marina, who now lives in Europe, has a passion to see many Libyans give their lives to Jesus, which is why she often travels to her homeland, even though it can be very dangerous for her. As for Omar, he began asking questions about Islam when he was just a child, even though his family were all Muslims. I asked many questions about my faith. I was looking for someone to help me, and the answers I got never satisfied me. I had a curiosity, and I wanted to understand my faith. Omar says it was through a Christian television program on satellite where they talked about Islam, and that helped him get some answers to his many questions about his then-religion. After answering the questions, they asked people to receive Jesus and pray. I would then turn off the TV. When opportunity to leave Libya, a country at that time that was under the authoritarian dictatorship and chaos of Muammar Gaddafi came in 2002, Omar also left for Europe. As he approached his mid-30s and many of his questions about Islam and Christianity answered, Omar made a decision that would change his life. After I received Christ as my Savior, this joy was in my life. I wanted to find a way to share that joy with my people back home. I know my wish, my dream, my prayer is to share this hope with my people. Both Omar and Marina are compelled to see people come to Jesus, but that decision comes with a cost. If they are growing in their faith and know that Jesus said they will be persecuted, they will resist giving up their faith under persecution. But those who are not growing will return to Islam. It's hard to know how many believers are in underground church. Through my connections and social media, I know of about 200 to 300 people who are gathering. We see the fruit in their lives, but some people disappear and we lose contact with them. But a few years later, they reappear using a different name. 
We don't know why. Maybe they were under persecution or a family situation. In spite of all the challenges and dangers, Marina and Omar want others to find the new life, peace, and joy that they experienced in Jesus, and not only in Libya, but throughout North Africa and beyond. And it is so encouraging to hear what God is doing in nations like Libya, Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, Mauritania, that have such incredibly long histories when it comes to the church. And because, as we talked about the Arab Muslim invasion, and then after the 7th century, the church went underground. And there's always been a remnant, but it's been very difficult uh, for Christians to publicly worship and, and share their faith. And yet, now we're seeing how that is changing. The church is emerging. Of course, with that comes persecution. And that's why it's so important that people like Marina and Omar, who actually came to Christ after leaving Libya, and now compelled to go back and to share their faith in Jesus. That's why we had to change their names, hide their faces. And if you watch the video, again, you can get the link to that video on the show notes. Uh, we don't want to put them in any danger. They want to continue to go back into Libya and to share the message of God's love through his son, Jesus. It's so inspiring. And uh, again, we need to be praying that when you're living under persecution, and I've been in many of these nations where this is going on, it just causes people to get tired and worn out. So that's why we really need to pray. And they need to know that we're praying for them uh, because it strengthens them. It also inspires us because of their faith that they have. But they're just like us. They get worn down too. They get tired uh, because of all the challenges that they're facing. Many want to leave the country. I totally understand that. But for those that are in the underground church that are bringing people to Jesus, discipling them and helping them grow in their faith, we need to lift them up. So will you join me in prayer? Father, we do pray for our brothers and sisters in Libya, those that are in the underground church, those that are struggling. Uh, there's financial challenges and there's family challenges, especially those that have left Islam and uh, the many pressures that they face. They could be imprisoned. Uh, they could even be killed, ostracized, lose their jobs. Father, would you be with them and they would again be reminded that uh, whatever happens, you will never leave them or forsake them, that you will strengthen them. Uh, we pray for those that have come to Christianity, uh, made a decision to follow Jesus, that come from Muslim backgrounds, that they will stand firm in their faith in spite of the threats and the, the suffering that they will have to endure, being, again, separated from family because of this decision, Lord, that you would strengthen them by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, for effective Christian witness to get into the country and uh, through resources and through people like Marina and Omar. And I know that they're doing a lot of ministry outside of the country in Europe, and, and yet they're going as well as they bring resources, Bibles and Christian materials so our brothers and sisters in Libya can grow in their faith in Jesus. We thank you, God, again, for what you're doing in this historic land. Also pray for Libyan Christians that they will have a strong desire to lead others to Jesus. We know because of persecution and oppression and all the things that are there, it's easy to pull back and say, you know, okay, I'm just going to live my life privately, my faith in, in secret. But Lord, you'd give them wisdom that they would share their faith in you and that they would not be intimidated. And we thank you again for the work of the Holy Spirit. We also lift up this nation of Libya that's undergone just such incredible loss of life and in the coastal city of Derna that these floods that came from Storm Daniel and it broke those dams and the swelling river that rushed into the center 
of the city of Derna. Lord, and, and hundreds of homes uh, collapsed and people lost their livelihood and many died. And some saying as many as 20,000 people may have been killed as a result of that. And uh, we just pray for the country of Libya. It's, it, there's been so much division and, and so much tension. Uh, the d- infrastructure of the country is collapsing. And this is a country that has just seen so much neglect and conflict and division. Lord Jesus, would you continue to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ that they could bring hope to those that are desperate, even in the midst of these calamities. And uh, we thank you again, Jesus, that we can come before your throne and uh, lift up our friends in Libya. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And again, if you want to watch this report on Libya, I'll put the uh, link on the show notes and you can click on that. And, And as I said before, please do share these videos on social media. Show them in your churches. Show them to your friends and get people praying. That is the most important thing that we can do to be praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters in North Africa and right around the world. Can I also ask you to rate this podcast and share it with others? Again, we want to raise up prayer support for our suffering brothers and sisters in Christ and also to help them get resources to them. The people that you met uh, on this podcast, uh, we work with uh, many of these people at the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, getting them resources so they can get these resources into the country. It's so important. Uh, The website for the Voice of the Martyrs Canada is vomcanada.com. That's vomcanada.com. Lots of resources there. How can we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world? We have our persecution and prayer alert. So many resources, videos, this podcast. Again, we want to get the word out uh, that, that God is working even in some of these most desperate places. The kingdom of God is advancing. Well, thank you for listening. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.